Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, October 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Quite a scene at Berkeley Riverfront Park on Thursday as the Kansas City Current of the NWSL broke ground on their new stadium. The 11,500-seat structure is expected to open in time for the 2024 season. On today's Sports Beat KC, you'll hear from team owners Angie and Chris Long, whose dream is becoming a reality. After a break, we'll hear from John Stevens. He's president of Port KC, which oversees riverfront area development and what this means to an area that has been historically underdeveloped. Finally, NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman speaks to the meaning of a women's professional soccer team owning and operating their own stadium and training facility. All the interviews were exclusive with the star and columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell and myself. Let's get started. And I think last time we got to talk, you were talking a little bit about how you guys come, tended to come down here just kind of take a look, wander around. I mean, to your point about it being tangible, I mean, how does that feel to see you go from the thing you're speculating about to, oh, okay. I mean, as we were driving down here this morning, you know, you start to see the big diggers and like, I mean, that felt pretty real. <laughs> so. At what point did you guys first start talking about this, even amongst yourselves? Well, so the actual preparation for this started about 15 months ago. Uh, so the press conference was October 2021 here at the port, but we had already started before that. Uh, the actual vision was right when we acquired the team and from an investment standpoint started looking at you know, the, the drivers of, of return and how to make sure we have a club that thrives for generations and facilities ownership is a key cornerstone of that ability to thrive. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I mean, for me too, growing up in Kansas City, the idea of a downtown stadium was just, you know, so important and obviously we don't yet have one, we will in 24, um, but for us to have a place to play, us downtown, uh, is, is so important. But not just downtown, but here on the river, I mean, there, that's, that's nothing's been here, you know, a lot of trash, you know, things like that, but um, so what was it about the river in particular? Well, I think I mean, Kansas City's built on this river, and when we thought about the level of investment, we thought, where can we do it that's urban? which would have a multiplier effect. Because you're right, this was a brownfield site, right? I mean, and now, five years, it's going to look absolutely spectacular. So it wasn't lost on us that we could change the entire picture that's uh, down here. All it took was coming down here and walking around. I mean, don't don't you feel it? Like how special and amazing this location is. And then it's hard to imagine another spot when you've stood right here. Do you remember the first time you did that? Hmm, it was winter of 21. Like yeah. we got the team in December of 2020, and it was it was winter of 21. First time you kind of envisioned like this is it. This yeah, is yeah. Did, were there? I never asked you this either. Where were you thinking of other possible locations very much? Or, or I think when you think fast? about wanting to be downtown, you look at the downtown footprint yeah. and where can you fit and what makes sense and what's accessible by public transportation. So. You know, this become, became like this amazing onion that we were peeling as you, you come down and you see it and you feel it. And the ability to move quickly, that was also important to us. And then you're connected by public transportation with the streetcar coming down here. And 
So for so many reasons, we kept going. This this is the place for us. Are you picturing a boat dock here now? <laughs> Did you see us arrive today? Yeah, <laughs> One of our visions is to activate this riverfront and have people attend the game via boat. I see no reason why we can't have a series of docks and or uh, some level of, of uh, ability for people to do that. People can come from Parkville. There's are uh, there are some play, you know the infrastructure. Um, Need some more investment along the river to really support that, but it's starting to happen. And I think again, we can be a catalyst to, to make that happen sooner because it how amazing to arrive to a Kansas City game by boat and one thing, one thing at a time. We, we'll focus on that. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are you want to have this take care of now. Now that it's in the ground, now you're getting started. I, how much room is there for the renderings and such the con- conceptions? to still change. I mean, as far as I recall, you guys have been kind of ever-churning on adding, thinking through more. Is that... Is that oh, yeah. I mean, we are, we are not in the design phase anymore. This is... I mean, we have been working on it for well over a year, and we're ready to go. So, I mean, what, what your current renderings are the renderings. Current less, renderings right? are the renderings, yeah. unless something yeah. crazy changes. Yeah. yeah. But there's little, little room to move. Yeah. Um, and there'll just be continued to be more and more, right? As we develop, as we start telling the story more of what the interior of the stadium looks like to everyone. Yeah, we just chatted with Jessica right before we chatted with you, and she just mentioned the fact that you guys wanted this to be like not just the standard of the league, but also that you guys talk globally as well. What, can you just speak to that impact of you know, a women's specific stadium? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we truly believe we're raising the bar and. You know, as you look out, if you want to complete, compete on a global basis for these incredible athletes, you're going to have to have something of this magnitude for them to want to come and be part of your team. So I think it's making a big uh, impression not only on women's global football, but also women's sports in general. Our team is the primary tenant in the stadium, and that is such a different thing than playing in someone else's stadium. Yeah, speak to that. What the importance of being the primary tenant of, of your own stadium? Well, I mean, it, it means that you control the branding, you control the schedule, and also, you know, then there's the softer side of things, which is, um, you know, we had some of our players say to us after we opened the training center, wow, this is the first time I've walked into the weight room, and it's our logo, <laughs> and it's our team, and it's not... It's not the men's team, and it's not a university. Like this is ours, and that sense of ownership, I think, really brings out the bet. They want to play for them. How about the uh, thought of other events in in the? What, what what else can we see possibly there? There will be a lot of programming. Um, we are well down the road in talking to um, rugby, cross. Uh, we uh, intend fully intend to have concerts. And I think it'll be an incredible, almost like riverfront amphitheater, intimate setting uh, for a concert, which uh, which we think will be valuable. And then we're also thinking about other things too, like artist events, um, different ways that the community can make sure they feel like it's theirs. Um, I'll add in there, you know, NCAA and FIFA, U17 and U20. And when you think about we thought about stadium size, and 11,500 is unique in Kansas City for that size. It's unique in the country for that size. It's unique in the world to have a stadium at this level, which means it's an attractive venue for a lot of interesting national events. And 
I, I can't remember what the latest on this was, but I seem to remember also that the design accounted for some indoor-outdoor engagement even when there's not an event going on. I can't remember what that entails, though. So, the pavilion. That'll be open. The, our intent is that is open 365. Maybe there's some a few days when it's too snowy and, you know, there's not a lot there. But we could activate that pavilion and not necessarily open all of the stadium. So, it becomes really interesting to think about from, you know, in so many ways, from having, you know, uh, food down there, restaurants down there, um, store, like, team store down there, but also... Um, that's my train of thought. Riverfront Bar. I mean, we got we have the Riverfront Bar will be open both right there with the most epic view. Uh, we plan to have that open uh, more than just farmers markets, arch. I mean, there's just so much that you can do. When we look at, at the riverfront now, and there and there will be increasing amenities, and obviously we're we're beginning to think of this as like the district, right? The future district that develops. But um, for now, just the increased amenities can bring a lot more people down here. Just of our pavilion. I hadn't known about the hotel uh, being built until today, John mentioned, yeah. and I, I, I can't remember his answer if we asked if it started with what you're doing, but, but one way or another, that there's some synergy in that, I assume, too, that you know, I'm sure For affects sure. everything there, here. There, there is, and you know, just even beyond that, when you look at the, the land surrounding the stadium, um, you know, we're involved in a, a lot of discussions currently as to what that looks like. And, um, I, I will tell you, I think when you look out here in a few years' time, this is going to look markedly different. Um, this will all have a developed aspect to it that will support Match Day and will support all the other events as well. How about the how about the role of, of this area in 2026 when the World Cup comes? What's the potential for that? Well, we don't have an exact um, uh, from FIFA exactly what it will do, although they were just here this past weekend. Um, but our understanding is not only is it eligible to be a base camp for a country, as is our training facility, and they actually visited the training facility on the weekend, this past weekend, um, but also probable for events leading up to that to really build momentum in Kansas City for the actual matches that'll take place. So from our vantage point, we want to see as much activity in Kansas City as possible, so we're going to do whatever we can to make it attractive to FIFA. I think this has to happen, but I, I just I just realized today how close you are to the, the bridge and everything. It's right there. Is there going to be any necessity to alter the exit or anything like that? Or it's, that's not... Not to alter the exit, I think. There might be some minor adjustments in some of the roads the off of it. And, and the curves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I just side point. Andrew, you mentioned just the expediency of this. Why was it important to do something like this quickly? We believe facilities are a game changer, so we don't want to wait. We know where we want to be. We know how much it means to our team. We know how much it means to our city. Um, so we've been working really, really hard to to accomplish it in our time. Frame. Did you have some people when you told them of the time frame you guys yeah. wanted to come? Did you like that's pretty quick? Well, when we asked for 23, they thought that was crazy. So <laughs> then we got well, to 24, and it was all right. Well, I mean, we still to this day get the why can't they just play in a men's stadium? comment um, just recently got a comment well, there's already enough venues in this region why, why do we need another one and that's just really uh, uh, arrogant uninformed view when you think about what this means for women's sports what this means for this revitalization of the riverfront what this means for the metro it's such a powerful powerful statement so um, yeah a lot of people are still saying wait really you're doing that why 
I think it's been part of a lot of your answers, but just can you speak to the green nature of the importance of the green nature of, of, of the stadium? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, so um, sustainability is, is obviously very, very important to us. Um, you saw what we did with our training center. Yeah. Uh, it's also super important to the players. Um, you think about um, some of the things that, that is m most important on their list, sustainability and obviously the environment being at the top of the list. So when we commissioned our architects and of course our you know, um, additional partners, that was part of the mandate to them, is how can we make it different? How can we make it? And you want to talk about some of the approvals and certifications? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. This is a brownfield site, right? So it's just incredible to think how far we've already come. But to us, it would seem crazy to build something so special and not make it sustainable, right? I mean, that has to be, we don't want to be doing harm while we're doing good, right? What else did you want to say? <laughs> oh, well, on this momentous day, CaseyCurrentStadium.com. I mean, I, yeah. I really it's eleven thousand five hundred seats, um, and it's going to sell out. And you know, we really hope people go go ahead and, and pick out what they want. There's something for everyone, from you know uh, uh, the you know supporter to the really premium, sweet experience to an incredible press setup. We hope uh, you all will enjoy being there. No, for real, that uh, was important. We to actually us. spent a lot of time. On that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah. That's I, I think, you know, it is a smaller stadium. Um, and I, I really think it's be hard to get a ticket. And the best thing that you can do is get a deposit down so that you can get in line. It's a nice marriage of the nickname and the stadium. Uh, when did the current, uh, was that, uh, was, what came first? <laughs> Kansas City. I mean, we're built on this river, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the location of the stadium obviously makes so much sense with the name, but the mission of the organization as well as just where Kansas City even has its roots, it all goes together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Here is John Stevens, president of Port KC. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been one of the things, having worked in, in urban redevelopment for so many years, so many of these projects are just years and years in the making. And I think sometimes we forget that this has been, you know, 600 and some days, right? 688 days, which is lightning fast 
in the world of sports stadiums, in the world of sports teams and facilities. And that's through, I think, this collective spirit of Port KC and the city and of Chris and Angie Long particularly in saying, we want to be in the heart of our city. How do we make that work? And then we rolled up our sleeves and said, let's make this happen. And through that process of just a few short months, we kind of got to this, pro this, you know, this, this revelation that we could really do this. And uh, here we are today. And this is really the bookend of transforming the riverfront for the next 50 plus years. John, how do, you, how do you feel like it does that? I mean, in how many different ways do you feel like it does that? I mean, with, whether it's coming down 71, your first impressions of the city, or whether it's connecting downtown to here, is it is all the above? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's really all of the above, but I would say, particularly this location, I mean, you know, we're a river city, right? But we've turned our back on it for decades, like many other cities. But we're back, and four years ago, we opened up the first, you know, residences, and the first citizens moved back to our downtown riverfront in more than a hundred years. And then we said, you know, four years ago, we said, how do we accelerate? How do we build on that? And when you have an opportunity like the Casey Current that are just so committed to the social fiber, not just the sports success, you know, not just what's on the pitch, but the experience around the pitch. And when we look at this 14-acre park and what we can do with that, we needed that. We didn't just need a venue that was great for the fans looking at the in, inside, but to look outside. And it's going to be something remarkable when it opens. And it's only the latest step. I mean, we have $350 million under construction right now on the riverfront. There will be 12 to 1,400 citizens living down here by the time the stadium opens. And, and a hotel and so much more on the way. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable how fast we've been able to turn that corner after so many years Right, we're breaking ground next month. Uh, boutique hotel, Origin Hotels. They're building a, a hotel right on the right here, and then we're breaking ground early next year on the streetcar. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the riverfront was already kind of coming back, and it was it was coming into its own. This gives us that true framework of okay, how do you build and connect what we're trying to do? Before we were like, okay, well, let's let's look at what's walkable. Let's look at how a good community and neighborhood experience could be. But when you have this major bookend of a facility like this, now we can really build and connect to that. And you know, we said with Chris and Angie and the team early on, we said the stadium has to open out into the park, and they've delivered that. So will it, will a streetcar stop be here around? The streetcar here? stop is going to be right on the other side of the tent. Okay. So uh, we have talked from day one about the streetcar being coming right into the park and there being, you know, a march to the match through this beautiful tree-lined park right into the facility and then right out of the facility. Plus, we're emphasizing multimodal. You know, this will be one of the first stadiums uh, in America that's built without big surface parking lots. It is going to have park and ride and bike walk and all the multimodal. And there'll still be places to park, but it'll be kind of hidden in garages because we want people to walk through an experience, not through a parking lot. What are the next, you know, months and year, year plus? Yeah, I guess this thing is good. Well, there'll be, you know, 
one more one more residential apartment building that will be built by the time the stadium opens. The hotel will be open by the stadium. Uh, the streetcar will be under construction. It will not be open for first season of 2024, but it will be open for 2025. And we anticipate that the full build here is is five million square feet of development that we'll build out here. And you know, we're big believers in don't do don't do shiny renderings and then fail to deliver. We're here to actually build what we promise, and when we promise something, we're delivering. John, I assume the stadium site is it's not it's actually in the there, or is it? Oh, my bad. Sorry. Oh, it's really gonna be so it's gonna be that close to the bridge. It's right up against the bridge. Yeah, we actually acquired land from Modot to nest it kind of up against. So the the stadium will orient north south with a slight twist, a slight twist to the uh, to the west. If I remember right, the idea is, okay, groundbreaking now to be completed middle of next year, late next year, it, it will be time for 24 seasons. The plan is it will be open and ready to go for the 24 season. Yeah. You say with a smile. I say it with a smile because it will be. It will be open and ready to go for the 24 season. And you can see, uh, you know, we, we joke we're having the groundbreaking today, but the ground's already been broken because <laughs> we want to get moving. I'm, I can't remember the details of this. I'm sorry, I don't, but I, I remember you referring to the past here and, and like the debris from Kemper being thrown here yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And obviously your heart's in the transformation, what this all feels like. I mean, how, how much does this represent? It's such a dramatic yeah, I, change from that. I, I can tell you this is this this is an experience of a lifetime for me as a Kansas City native. It's someone growing up, you know, coming down here and, and just looking at the river, but never being able to be near it, right? I mean, truly, this was Kemper Arena's roof was dumped here. There was a coal gasification plant. There was a tow lot all on this site. And uh, honestly, I have to give huge credit to Congressman now Congressman Cleaver. When he was Mayor Cleaver, he fought. And he said, we have to reclaim our riverfront if we want to be a, a city of the, a city for our citizens. And he laid the groundwork for this. And now we're standing on kind of the shoulders of people to bring this to life. And it's something special. And I, I can tell you, Chris and Angie are committed to being in the heart of the city at every turn. And uh, we are too. This is Jessica Berman, commissioner of the National Women's Soccer League. We spoke to her about the stadium, but covered other topics as well, including the current rising from last place to a playoff position this season and the recent controversy surrounding abuse allegations in the league. You had a term then that has stuck with me about it being a, a, a movement, not a moment. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much this sort of thing speaks to that, too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely a movement, not a moment. And there have been so many other examples of that. I was Since I came here in the summer, I was also in San Diego for their game where they had 32,000 people there. And when they launched their season, their ticket campaign for that opening game at Snapdragon. Everyone said it's going to be impossible to sell 32,000 seats in San Diego. No one is going to want to leave the beach or come in from the outdoors and commit to that. Well, we proved that that wasn't true. And this is another one of those moments where we're seeing not just fans showing up, but real alignment of key stakeholders, both public and private, to invest in this, not because it's the right thing to do, but because we know it has an opportunity for growth that far exceeds some other investments that you can make. And the longs certainly have proved that they know how to grow businesses, and they're doing this because they believe in the future of women's soccer. 
That's an interesting one-two punch when you put it that way about opportunity, both opportunity for growth and the right thing to do. I mean, it, 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 but seeing opportunity for growth become more and more of a factor is pretty significant in this formula, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, people have always talked about women's sports as being something that's focused on purpose. Um, and it is very mission-driven. We know that when we watch these athletes on the pitch, it changes the way we see girls and women in our society. I experienced that firsthand with my two young boys who were just as excited to meet NWSL players as they were to meet Eli Manning at a Gotham game. Who He had recently invested in Gotham, and I thought he was just going to run to Eli Manning. But actually, he saw these athletes as people and really icons and heroes that they were excited to meet. So... We know that it has that effect on society, but it's about more than that. It's not That wouldn't be enough of a reason to invest in infrastructure. So this is a really key moment to see the kind of investment that's required, not just for the training facility, but for a stadium on this plot of land, which is obviously marquee location. And I just learned about all of the other investments that are being made along this river. And we know that that's going to create the kind of environment that's going to leave a legacy for the city. I don't know already stated because I know other organizations in our league are also investing as well. But how much do you think own stadium, own training facility can kind of set the standard for the rest of the league? I think it's a. Um, they are the envy of so many teams. When you own your own building, it's not just that you control all of the experience in terms of concession and parking and game day experience, but you also control your facility in terms of schedule. And that has been one of the major challenges in our league. When you're a tenant, you are second, third, sometimes fourth in line to be able to figure out what dates are available. Something as simple as that. And so, you know, it's a goal for us to be actually in a position of power where we are both the landlord and the tenant. Um, it'll take a long time to get there. And even MLS, it took 20, 30 years for them to get to a point where their investment now when you buy an expansion team includes a commitment to actually build a new facility. Um, that wasn't the case when they were at, in their growth high growth years, which is where we're at. So it will definitely be something that we're paying attention to in each market. And I think the key to motivating that kind of investment will be to measure the success of the before and after for the Kansas City Current. We know what their P&L and experience look like when they were in someone else's building, and we'll know what their experience is like in 2024 when they own their own building. And I think that contrast will be a really important case study for other teams to look at. Oh, um, well, I don't think you can have a conversation with Chris or Angie and know and not immediately conclude that they need business. This is like, they are like, this league deserves the best and we will deliver the best, not just in the NWSL, but globally. I mean, they were just like, their benchmarking was not really within our league. They wanted to be recognized globally for delivering first-class experience for our athletes and ensure that they were instilling the confidence in the fans, sponsors, media partners, that they were taking this seriously as an investment. And I think they have the credibility to do that, not just because of the kind of people they are and who they are, but their background. They have the ability to convince, I think, public and private stakeholders that they're smart about business. They've been successful business people. And so 
when they say it will be so, people pay attention and they listen. And so, you know, I, I sort of want to, I've told them I want to take them on the road with me. There's a couple of meetings I could use them in. They're, they're very compelling and unapologetic, which I really appreciate in their demand for excellence. What is it? Uh, what's the comment on uh, this a team that's only in its second season and goes from you know, bottom of the standing to, to the playoffs this year? This is actually my favorite thing about this league relative to our other other women's soccer leagues globally, and I actually describe it as our, our superpower, which is that our league is competitively balanced and has parity, which means that whether you're the 12th team or the first team on the standings in any given week, you don't actually know who's going to win. And that was proven over and over and over again this season. And so not surprising that Kansas City was towards the bottom and now they're in the playoffs. And we saw the fluctuation even within the standings from week to week as we were finishing out the season and in fact if they had won their last game it would have changed their whole fate for them potentially hosting a playoff match and so you know I I think that's actually one of the things that our league has that's different and unique relative to other leagues which is that you don't know who's going to win and I think that creates a really compelling entertainment product for our fans. Obviously, such a time of celebration and growth, but, I, but in the wake of the report earlier this week, I, I wonder just how the impact that has had on you and what you might want to say about it. Yeah, well, um, I guess I, I'll start with the more human response, which is as a woman, as a woman who's worked in sports industry and predominantly male-dominated sects of the sports industry, I was just heartbroken and horrified to read every single page of that report. Um, it was it was really soul-crushing, and my, my heart goes out to anyone who had the courage and bravery to come forward, and also to the people who were bystanders, because even that is traumatizing. Um, and so I think that has to be said almost every single time anyone is asked for a reaction. Um, I guess other other thoughts, just sort of tracking how people have responded to the report. Um, I, I think there's an important um, element of the league's position right now that probably warrants some clarification, which is that there's a really important reason why the league is directing the joint investigative team to review the findings and recommendations in the Yates report before we sort of officially take action. And that is for two primary reasons. The first is that our joint investigation, other, unlike the Sally Yates report, involves the union. They have a seat at the table. Every single procedural question is raised with us jointly. I don't have any information that Megan Burke doesn't have. It is something that we are partnering on. And the players deserve a voice in this process before we take any specific action. Let's remember, this is not supposed to satisfy fans or media. This is for the players. And at the end of the day, that is what's guiding my decision making. I think the second really important point is that that report was 300 pages and we didn't even see it until everyone else saw it on Monday at one o'clock. And so I'm still digesting it. I brought it with me on the plane coming here today. I was rereading different sections. There's a lot to process in there. And 
And so I think that's also important. Um, and then the third, the third piece is that, and we expected this would be the case as soon as we learned that Sally Yates was going to be releasing her report in early October, and we knew that our joint investigation, the independent investigation that we're doing jointly with the union, is not ready. We expected that that report would break loose some important facts that are still materializing. So people are asking questions like, why are the teams and individuals being asked not to comment? Because there's an ongoing, very important investigation, and what the players actually want is the facts. And we can't get to corrective action or systemic changes until we know that we have left no stone unturned and all the facts have been uncovered. And we're not at that point yet. And so if we in the union had determined when the Yates report came out, okay, that made our report moot, so let's just move on, it would be a different story. But that was not the conclusion we came to. There's a lot of information still being processed, new witnesses coming forward, new documents being produced. And we're just not going to be rushed on anyone else's timetable. We're going to have to, we have to get this right. And we're going to do everything we can to deliver for the players. Yes. I mean, I don't know what the form of that will be because that will be up to the independent investigators. But whatever form our report is materialized in, it will be released publicly. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports BKC. Thanks to our production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. The morning sports edition was 51 pages today, looking ahead to the baseball playoffs, the weekend in the NFL and college football, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC. Sports Beat KC.